connection to them. And so that led to me starting a blog, um, you know, getting on the radio, TV, various things. It always sort of had a kind of public interest angle to it. And I curated a national... Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> hold on. So you started a blog yeah. and then suddenly you were invited to a radio show and TV yeah. and all that stuff. How did it happen? Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Studio. I'm your host, Martina Flor, and in this interview style episode, I have honest conversations with artists, designers, and creatives to uncover their story and the specific tactics they use to build a successful career around their skills and the work they love doing. Today, I'll be having a conversation with Sam Roberts. Sam is the editor and publisher of Black, Better Letters Magazine, the world's only print and online publication dedicated to sign painting. He is a Londoner living in Catalonia, Spain, and the author of numerous books and articles about the craft of sign painting and its history. The conversation with Sam was so insightful, and I, I really enjoyed it because, and I think you're going to enjoy it as, as well, because you know, we normally invite lettering artists, uh, illustrators, and designers to this uh, interview style podcast, but he provided a different perspective. Sam has always worked, even when he has his own way with creativity, with words and writing, he has always acted as the producer or agent, the person who is standing between the artist, in this case, sign painters, and the audiences. And throughout his career, he has, you know, led by his interest for letter forms and sign painting and go signs, he has started so many different projects. The you know, series of workshops, uh, the the tours, the subscriptions, and the, the magazine that he is now um, uh, publishing. So he has such a wide experience at bringing projects to life. And throughout the conversation, he really provided some step-by-step -step to start a workshop series, for instance, to test your ideas and find out the viability of certain projects and he even provided some really specific tactics and things that you can implement to better communicate with clients and um, and have a better professional relationship with the people you work with. So I hope you get a big takeaway from this conversation with Sam who has been in the industry for a long time and has started tons of different projects of tons of different nature all guided by his love for the craft of lettering, sign painting, and ghost signs. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Sam Roberts. Hello, Sam. How are you Hi, doing Martina. today? Thank you for coming on the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me and for inviting me and for making it uh, happen because we've had a couple of delays with noises, carnivals, and things going on outside. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. So hopefully you can listen to us or our listeners can hear us clearly and without uh, construction work happening on the side and stuff. So uh, Sam, for those that are listening right now, tell us briefly who you are and what you do. Okay, uh, I'm Sam Roberts. Uh, I'm from originally from London, but I live in Catalonia in Spain. And I spend my time at the moment uh, editing and publishing a, uh, a magazine, 
uh, all about sign painting, traditional uh, sign painting, but mainly focused on uh, people doing that kind of work today. And uh, I got into all of that through um, through old painted signs uh, that myself and others mm. call call ghost signs. But yeah, I'm I'm a big sign painting enthusiast, but I'm not a sign painter. Yeah, that's that's so interesting from your um, profile, and that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show. Because normally we invite lettering artists and illustrator, and just just for those uh, watching this episode on YouTube, you get to see the magazine that um, Sam is speaking about on his background or just just behind him. Um, and I think it's really interesting to have you on the show because we normally have you know, lettering artists or illustrators or designers. And I think that you have worked with creativity and with <clears throat> with other artists, but in other capacities, more as a producer or an agent. You have also started so many different projects when it comes to a niche discipline, like, like uh, sign painting, you made the tours, the workshops, the events, the conferences, the magazine, um, we, which we will touch on all of this yeah. during the, the show. But first, I want to start by asking you, I normally start with a, with a question or a, a strong question that will uh, probably open different uh, venues of conversation. And that is that, what is there in the art of making letter forms that calls people's attention? And why do you think that it continues to be relevant? I, th I think at its heart, it, it's communication. You know, it's it's mm. it's a way of providing a, a medium or a link between uh, two people, somebody that's trying to convey a message and somebody that is the recipient of the message. And I think all aspects of letters, whether that's, um, you know, hand lettering, such as you do, sign painting, typography, all of these provide those words um, that communication with personality and character and, and give it extra meaning over and above uh, the words themselves so I think that's that's the enduring appeal of it and uh, I think it has it has so many applications and it's, it's, it's you know I think something I would like to explore more is is the interplay between custom lettering and typography and looking historically at the mm. The, the influences from one uh, to the other. I've always been quite interested in that with respect to sign painting. You know, lots of the old sign painters used to collect uh, typographic uh, samples. Uh, they wanted to be mm. up to date with the latest fashions in typography. But then at the same time, the influence goes the other way. There are, are so many typefaces that are inspired by signs or by pieces of handcrafted lettering in the environment. So I, 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 I quite like the, this idea of an interplay between these realms and how they influence each other. Yeah, and also I feel that, you know, language and typography is so present in our lives, you know, it's like, it's like the elephant in the room. And, and I'm always surprised whenever, um, you know, whenever people come to my, I always say this thing of like, um, you know more about letter forms that you think you do because in my experience, whoever came to any of my workshops, and you may have experienced that as well, when, as you were hosting this, um, the the hand painting workshops with with Mike Mayers. We even hosted a workshop. You organized a workshop for me exactly. in London once, um, and I think the the overall experience is always that, even when you have the most beginner 
coming to a workshop, they know more about letters that they think they do. They, you know, if you tell them, if you ask them to draw an N, they can yeah. do it. And they can do it in several styles. They can do it, uh, they can draw an N with serifs and without yeah. serifs and one maybe that is a bit more handwritten style. So um, it's so present in our lives and it's so, um, it's, it's part of everyone's culture in, in some way. And every, it's part of what, what we do every day. We write messages on our phone and we use typography and fonts for that. Uh, we leave a note or we make a shopping list and we use our handwriting, right? So, and I want to move, um, I want to touch shortly on how did you get into this? Because as I said before, you started so many different <laughs> projects, right? Like you, you now have the magazine, the Better Letters uh, magazine, but you also wrote books and you organized this series of workshops with, with a sign painter, uh, Mike Mayers, and, um, and you, organize a conference and you uh, which is called uh, letterheads and you you did so many things but i wonder how how did it all s start yeah um it's I, I always find it hard to pinpoint exactly when it started but where i tend to see the the, the main the main point is in around 2006 and at that time i was working uh within the advertising industry and mm. you know in that industry you sort of always have a you know sort of sense of oh, you know is it a, is it a good thing is you know it's advertising just causing us to spend more money than we should and to want things that we you know that we don't need and uh, I, I was sort of quite interested in that ethical aspect of it and one of the debates mm. there is about outdoor advertising and and what role that plays mm. because most advertising exists within a media landscape so you have mm. your television is free more or less because you are exposed mm. to advertising obviously netflix has, has shifted that to an extent but the same with newspapers and magazines the the cover price is low because you yeah. are, have agreed implicitly to be exposed to advertising whereas outdoor advertising doesn't have that same um exchange of of value and uh, so there's you know there was a guy uh, writing howard gozard and he he described outdoor advertising as trespassing on our field of vision. Anyway, this is a long way roundabout mm. way of saying that I was quite interested in outdoor advertising. I was always looking at posters and billboards. And within that, I don't know how it happened. I think it's because I moved house and I started walking down a street a different way than <laughs> I normally would have done. But I noticed this old fading sign on a brick wall. It was mm. advertising as stationers and it was sponsored by a fountain pen brand. I thought, wow, that's interesting. People used to paint a billboard basically mm. on, onto, a, onto a building. And then I quite quickly saw another one and then another one. I thought, this is interesting. I wonder how many of these things there are out there. And I did some, you know, the internet was a slightly different place back then, but I was able to find online mm. that these were called ghost signs. And you can see why, because they're sort of faded, they're not full bodied, slightly translucent. And I emailed a bunch of people and I said, look, I found these things. I've heard they're called ghost signs. Have you got any near you? And I, I had such an overwhelming response to that from people saying, you know, there was one I always walked past on the way to school or I always knew we were nearly at my grandmother's house because of this one. Uh, or there's one round the corner from me. Now, everyone seemed to have a, a personal or a family or a historical connection to them. And so that led to me starting a blog. Um, you know, getting on the radio, TV, various things. It always sort of had a kind of public interest angle to it. 
and I curated a national. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> hold on. So you started a blog yeah. and then suddenly you were invited to a radio show and TV yeah. and all that stuff. How did it happen? Because this, this sounds like an overnight success. No, no, gosh, no, no. I mean, I started, okay, so I got into that 2006. I then had a mm. massive collection of stuff that I built up over about a year. And yeah. at that time, I didn't have the, the sort of confidence or the knowledge to do a book, which felt like the obvious thing to do. Um, so I thought, okay, well, a blog, that's quite a low risk way of just publishing some things and, and sharing some stuff. And that then led to, you know, the blogging was slightly different back then. People used to follow each other's blog. You'd have a blog roll on the side and, um, you know, you'd comment on each other's articles. Uh, you'd have an RSS reader and all of this stuff. Yeah. And through that, I mean, I don't know how people discovered me. But, yeah, 2008, I think, was the first time I went on TV, probably. So, yeah, it was a couple mm. of years into it. Um, and then through that... I was sort of following a narrative there of, oh, this is something that we have lost. You know, people don't do this anymore. Mm. This is this is historic. This is looking backwards. Uh, but quite quickly, it became apparent. And I think the first people I came across were Colossal Media in New York, who do these huge mm. photorealistic painted billboards across the states now. But then it was mainly New York. And I realized, no, there's actually still a load of people doing this. And um, I started following some of those people and and becoming more and more aware of although it's a smaller trade it still exists and mm. we maybe come back to this next bit at some other point but I went to Cambodia and came back from Cambodia I did two years with my wife uh, volunteering there and when I got back I didn't want to return to the not exactly well I wasn't exactly in corporate life but I didn't want to return mm. to working inside of organizations I, I felt motivated to try doing something for myself and I gave myself a period of six months okay see what you can do with six months if you if you don't if you don't put any pressure on yourself to worry about the money for six months I had some savings mm. and so on see what you can do and that was what led to me designing and researching my London walking tours looking at the old ghost mm. signs uh, but probably the most pivotal thing that happened was there was a US feature length documentary that had just come out in 2013 just before we get into that yeah, sorry yeah. for <laughs> interrupting but I want I, I'm just curious about you know you because you had this this moment where you decided you had this blog and you had this interest and um, and then you went to Cambodia uh, for volunteering. And then when you came back, you decided, okay, how can I turn this interest that I have into um, into a business or into mm -hmm. my livelihood? Um, so the the way for you to monetize that interest that you had or that blog that you had, where was to organize this um, this uh, these tours? Pa part of it. So that I mean, okay. you know. In, you know looking back that was not the you know that was not the major um, thing mm. that was was generating me my my income but it was it formed yeah. part of a number of activities uh, that enabled me to make a living and uh, I should say actually can you name some of yeah. them just I'm just curious because I know that many of our listeners are interested you know they most of them are artists lettering artists illustrators and they wonder okay how can I yeah. make a living yeah. 
with my skills, but also some of them might have a certain niche interest and they're wondering, okay, how can I monetize um, my blog or how can I monetize uh, a certain product that I want to bring to life? Yeah. So the, I think your story can also yeah. very, be very inspiring for them in terms of giving them ideas. Well, the, th the three main things, so one was the tours, uh, the other was um, c commissions or referral fees. So I, I because I was connected to and involved with the the world of sign painting, and we, you know we should say in the UK and Australia sign writing, but I will talk about sign painting generally. Mm -hmm. um, people, clients would approach me, so it would be design companies, architectural firms, advertising agencies would come to me and say, Sam we've got this brief and it could be that it's that mm. they wanted something that would eventually manifest digitally or in print or it could be that they wanted an actual installation or a, a, a mural or a piece of signage uh, on, on yeah. site and what I was doing in that role was was effectively acting as an agent or a broker so I would deal with the client I see. take the brief yeah. develop the scope of the work then based on what they needed, help them to select and work with a sign painter or lettering artist or, or whoever it might be. Mm. And then I would earn my fee as being that, that intermediary. And I think it, you know, that, that works for some people. Some people like having that sort of buffer between them and the client mm. that they, all they have to yeah. worry about is the, is the creative process and, and doing what they love doing, not dealing with invoicing contracts and all of those things that I could mm. take on. And I think for some of the clients, uh, they felt maybe a sense of reassurance or uh, confidence that, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this guy. He's responsive to emails. He, you know, I'm, you know, I'm that person that's, that's giving them the reassurance. So that was, that was another, uh, big area and then the last one was the workshops program so um, mm. you know the workshops program started with uh, Mike Meyer and we worked together from 2014 and well mm. more or less until the onset of the pandemic uh, I worked with other uh, sign painters and lettering people Cheryl McLean in Australia yeah. David Kiniston from Wales uh, yourself uh, Barbara Enright and Carla Hackett from Australia so there were um, you know a bunch of other people uh, that I worked with but main the mainstay of that workshops program was with Mike Meyer so I took on he just wanted to teach he wanted to travel the world and teach and I couldn't do that because I'm not a sign painter uh, but what I could do <laughs> was market that program and put in place the logistics that meant when he turned up in a location everything he needed was there ready and waiting for him and that he could just walk in more or less and and get on with the teaching so that was uh, those were the sort of the three let's say the three main strings to my bow <laughs> yeah and I, I'm interested you know I'm interested in knowing what were the cues that led you to do this because you know one thing is to be interested in in sign painting and sorry and in in go signs and to um awaken the interest in on TV and I can imagine why this could be interesting for a, a radio show to invite you in to, to speak about this because this is something people see on the streets and they wonder what that is and where is it coming from and stuff but how do you turn then from that into organizing sign painting workshops and where do you see you know what what do you see that this is gonna work in terms of like where were the cues for you 
to say, hey, what, I, I'm going to organize these workshops. I'm going to bring my mayors from the United States <laughs> to, to host a workshop in London, um, you know, to teach people sign painting and go on a tour on, uh, throughout Europe. How did you, how did you um, test that idea or if you tested at all or it was, or it was just a bet and then it, it worked out or what were the cues for you to, in order for you to like go, um, go on to this um, venture? Yeah. I think, I mean, it was re it was a response, I, I guess, to some of that interest that you described, you know, the, the, the fact that people are naturally interested in these things means that there is, you know, there's a degree of intrigue or, um, you know, wanting to learn more out there. Um, the probably the, you know, the biggest clue really for me was a series of screening events that I did in London. So there was a, a film and it's coming up for 10 years. I don't know when this podcast will go out, but we're doing an online uh, 10 year anniversary screening of this film. It's an American feature le length documentary called Sign Painters. And when is it happening? Uh, that's on the 18th of March, a Saturday evening. Uh, let me see. I think I think we should be fine. Okay. Yeah, we will be we will add the uh, the link to that on the show notes so that anyone okay. interested can go check yeah. it out. Okay. Yeah? Well, if, after Amazing. the event, there will be a, a page with a, an article and a, a whole load of reflections on 10 years since that film. So um, the yeah, the sign painters film, I had been because of my work, I was in Cambodia, I was watching this film going having screenings all over the world. And uh, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, I, when am I going to get to see this film? You know, I've got to see this film. And then I got, you know, I was back in London and there was nothing happening in terms of screenings in London. So I approached the directors and I said, look, what, what's involved in this? They said, well, you pay a licensing fee, you get the venue, you ticket it. If you make some money on the tickets, that's yeah. up to you. You can make it free, whatever you want. So I found a venue. It was a bar in South London called The Roxy and um, booked one night there on a Wednesday oh, okay yeah that's good mm. put the tickets for sale and they sold out I think it was within a day maybe, maybe less I don't know it, they, wow. they went extremely quickly so I quickly got yeah. onto the phone to the venue and I said look could we have the Thursday night as well and they said well look you know the best thing is if, if you're going to want the Friday you better book it now because Friday will pressure will come on Friday so I said okay I'm mm. going to book Thursday and Friday so then I put extra tickets on for sale and in the end we had three sold out nights for that event My and God. I got a phone call while all this was happening and I was organizing it from a guy called Ashley Bishop who's at the brilliant sign company and he said look if you're putting on that film there's a guy called Mike Meyer in it he teaches a really great class for people who want to try this and once people have seen the film they're going to want to try it so I said mm -hmm. okay well I can phone Mike Mike hey would you be up for this and he said yes so then I sort of had a I made a gamble at that point I said mm -hmm. okay before I pay for Mike to fly over here and venue and all I'm just going to put some tickets up and see if they sell and they sold really quickly so then suddenly I did wow. have to book a flight and and, all, and, and actually make it happen. But, you know, I kind of... Mike is happening. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was sort of, you know, it was like it was like a bluff. You know, yeah, we're, we're doing this. So you, you put I had a confidence yeah. thing of I am doing this. People responded well to that. And then 
after we did that event, Mike turned around to me and said, look, I really like the way that you put that together. It was much more organized than they have been in the past. Um, would you do that for me, you know, in, in a sort of more formal capacity? Mm-hmm. And that was the, the start. Mm-hmm. And the, well, this, I mean, this book, the show cards book that we did in 2021 is kind of a retrospective. So it, Mike would nearly always paint a hand painted uh, promotional card for the workshops. And when you look through yeah. there, you know, it's hundreds of events that we did over that time. Um, wow. There were workshops, talks, uh, the conferences that you mentioned. Um, so that was a, you know, a big driver for for me and, and brought me into contact with so many people that were fascinated by this trade, mm. this craft, and wanted just to learn more. And what's been fascinating to watch with that is people that came onto the workshops who then said, no, I'm not doing that desk-based graphic design job anymore. I'm going full-time sign painting. And, uh, you know, it really has changed a lot of people's lives, the the impact of those events. Yes, I think think it's one of the reasons why I think we connected, you and me connected through um, our teaching work or our work, you know, organizing workshops and teaching and stuff. And I think that that's the, you know, that's the key of it. That's what keeps us doing it because you, I also have that experience with other students, people that have come to my seminars here in Berlin or have joined my online programs and stuff. And then suddenly they're working as lettering artists, right? And they went from, you know, having a job as graphic designers, which is you can be totally happy as a graphic designer, you know, working as a graphic designer, but they they felt that they, they wanted to do something different and they discovered lettering, they develop a skill and now they're um, out there making a living with that. And yeah. I, that that is, as you said, life-changing. And I think it's like a great motivation to continue yeah. doing that, right? Yeah. And what what I'm interested, like what I, what I find really interesting from what you just said is like how how you made very small steps towards um, something that turned into something bigger. You mentioned that okay, first you you ask uh, these people on like hey, how do I, how do I screen how do I get to screen this movie and and then you just book one night and that night sold out and then you went for a, a bigger bet and then you booked yeah. those those two other nights and then you decided to go for um okay let's let's see if uh you know putting a uh, or hosting a workshop will also work and then i love that is that framework of like doing small steps instead of like trying to have everything figured out organizing the big plan and suddenly have it flop because there was no interest right and i think this is a really really good framework that anyone who is listening could uh, could use for whatever they want to start and whatever um, thing they want to do with their skills or um, with their creativity. The other thing that is is a is a common thread through through everything that I've done is is you know is my own passion for this stuff. You know, since I became mm. interested in the ghost signs, I've sort of thought it's kind of like fighting for the underdog a bit. You know, like with the ghost signs, it's the these they've been underdocumented and unrecognized historically. And so I always felt, you know, my job, you know, here I'm there to bang their drum and to kind of make more of them and to expose more people to them and and, and so on. And then Mm. in parallel to that with the sign painting, you know, it has it had suffered 
a very difficult time after technological mm. advances, particularly vinyl machines, um, had, had led to you know huge numbers of sign painters either falling out of the trade or moving into other aspects of signage. And you know I always felt passionate mm. about let's not just look back at the old signs, but let's make sure that signs are being painted now that can become the ghost signs in 50, 60, 70 years. And, you know, having that kind of underlying passion and drive for the craft and, and for the output of the craft, I think just, I don't know, I mean, this is the feedback I get from people is that it sort of lends an authenticity to everything. And it makes it, you know, you're, you're not just doing this to make a business out of it. You're actually doing it because you care about the craft and about the people that um, are practicing it. Yeah, I love that painting the ghost signs <laughs> of the future today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I want to um, I want to go back to what you mentioned in terms of your work. You know, when you started the blog um, with uh, ghost signs and how you started uh, monetizing that through. Uh, becoming also an agent for uh, for sign painters and artists, and I want to, I want to, you know, I, I mentioned before that I'm really interested in your perspective because you are, you, you know, you work not as an artist but more as a manager of artists or a producer, right? And and I want to ask you what is what is your, your perspective about artists, right? What are the great things? First, start by the great things. What are the great things about working with artists? Uh, which I can imagine that in sign painting is like a whole other niche within the niche <laughs> of artists. Uh, so, uh, but I would love to hear your, your experience. So I wanted to ask you what are the great things about working with artists and what are the aspects that you think made them unique? Um, and the things that they should perhaps double down on that many artists fail to see or they, they don't get to understand that they have this superpower and, um, and perhaps they could, they could really uh, focus on or double down yeah. on. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the word awesome is, is used a lot, you know, oh, awesome, you know, it's, it's come, come very much from America, this, this use of the word awesome. And um, if you actually look at what awesome means, it, it's inspiring awe. So that can either be through mm. fear or amazement, at, you know, at, at something incredible. And I think watching sign painters work, you know, highly skilled sign painters work is, is truly awesome in that sense of, mm. you know, I look at it and because I have tried it, you know, I've taken all the workshops that I've ever run and I took mm. yours and, you know, I've, I've taken all of these workshops. And it, I think it's by doing it that you truly begin to appreciate how hard it is and how much practice mm. it takes to reach even a sort of an elementary level and so then yeah. when you watch somebody who can come along and quickly scratch out a few lines to guide them and then begin painting and create something that is is amazing is truly awesome and that mm. you know that for me is what i strive to promote and to and to sort of yeah. share and to make you know again it's banging the drum you know i sometimes talk about myself as sort of championing the craft you know i feel like part of my role is is not just to you know support 
artists with work and well artists you know a lot of them would not want to be called artists because they don't see themselves as that um but it's also to expose this trade and this craft to a wider audience much like that film did you know mm. that film brought the craft into the eyes of the architects the graphic designers and the advertising mm. agencies where before they'd perhaps forgotten or were ignorant of the fact that uh, this could happen so yeah i think just it's watching watching people work and and seeing what they can create that that most inspires me and i have to say you know within the sign painting you know it's a small trade but it's a, a fantastically supportive one you know the we mm. talked a little bit earlier about these conference type events called letterheads and those are run mm. on a not-for-profit basis there's no membership organization or committee or chairperson or any of this sort of stuff they are somebody yeah. puts their hand up and says i'm having a get together could be five people it could be 500 people and the whole idea is that people come together share the skills and begin to pass that knowledge on from one generation uh, to the next and i think you see that manifest very much on on instagram for example you know it's a very very supportive and collaborative community people are always organizing you know little group shows uh small letterheads events um so i think though you know seeing the work and the the culture of the of the trade i think are mm. two of the things that that really inspire me i can't remember what the next uh question what the next bit of the question was yeah, I wonder. I wonder where are the downsides now of working with artists, and where, where, or uh, let's reframe this. Where do you think uh, artists have some room for improvement, or maybe things that they could do better, or they are overseeing? Um, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> this is that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I know. I um, no, but you know, I, th I think there is, you know, in general. They are. They tend to be better at and want to paint signs and design lettering, and and that that's what they want to spend their time doing. And that means that often, mm. and this is not to say all sign painters are like this, but often uh, they can neglect, you know, things like communications, um, you know, looking carefully at their, you know, things like pricing. You know, I often find that yeah. the the pricing can be lower than it possibly could be. Um, and I always encourage uh, people to to charge more if and when they can. Mm. Um, but what else? I mean, I suppose those would be the two things. And and just you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'd have it have it with Mike. You know, he'd keep me waiting until the very very last minute to deliver the thing that I needed to to move on to the next step of whatever <laughs> I was doing. And that you know, so it's being being kept waiting can you know for somebody like me that you know is is very you know timings and process oriented you know I, i'm very much like that i like a, i like a checklist of a step-by-step yeah. step, a, a deadline of when's this happening how's this going to lead into that um you know i have that logical process driven mindset whereas uh, lots of the sign painters are you know it, you know scatty would be a rude way of saying it but they're kind of you know 
there's so much going on and they're easily distracted by the thing that's over here and um you know they can they can drop the ball occasionally so that's i think sometimes you know they've appreciated working with me because i'm kind of prodding and saying come on we need this we need this and uh you know it doesn't feel like it's a client doing that to them it's 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 me doing yeah. it and uh so th those would be some things but like i say you can't generalize that all sign painters are like that some are very very uh you know logical and, and process and methodical and and others are are more kind of chaotic creative let's say yeah no, and I think these are great points. And for all of those listening, <laughs> here's Sam saying, pay attention to your pricing, to the timings, to deadlines. Don't neglect communication, which I think you're referring to marketing themselves, yeah. right? To um, doing client outreach, uh, putting themselves out there. Yeah, and, and also just, you know, you know, responding to, you know, I, I don't think you should be sitting on your emails all day and no, no one should be doing that. But there is yeah. a, a sort of you know, a time frame in which it's polite to reply to somebody that you're doing work for or that you're scoping out a job for, for example. And I think that, um, you know, if, if you're having to be chased a lot of the time, then probably you need to increase that response time down. Uh, sort of de decrease the response time a bit. So, um, they're, you know, they're small things. What would you, what would you say is, is, a, is a reasonable response time? I think within a week, for, you know, for anything non-urgent, I think within a week. I think if you're in a dynamic sort of project situation where, you know, things are happening now, then I think 24 to 48 hours is, is, is acceptable. Um, and I think, you know, you can set boundaries around that with with clients and I think that you know using for example in Gmail you have the the schedule the email so you know if you if you prefer mm. to write your emails in the middle of the night set them up to send the next day at nine o'clock you know and yeah. I think replying to people if people are emailing you at nine o'clock at night and you're replying to them at nine o'clock at night I mean I'm, I'm guilty of this I admit it but um, it sets a, an expectation and a precedent that probably isn't healthy for all of us uh, going forward. And I think, you know, France tried to do mm. it, didn't they? They tried to make a rule about you can only email uh, within working hours. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I sort of sign up to that as a concept. I think we do need to respect more our time outside of work and, and, and what we should yeah. be doing in that space. Uh, so yeah, you use that schedule email thing, but uh, don't schedule it for two weeks time. <laughs> schedule it for, for the next day or, or two days time. So that's great. Which other, which other things do you think that, you know, when it comes to business and to be good at communication and uh, be responsive as a professional, um, our listeners can put in place, you know, this scheduling email or having this 24 to 48 hours buffer to respond to emails. Which other things are important? You mentioned deadlines. I think positivity, you know, I, th I think, um, mm. you know, trying to, instead of always seeing the problem or the, you know, the difficulty trying to think okay how do how can i how can i reframe this and 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 make it into something positive and you know i just had this recently in fact and I, you know we had mm. issue two of the magazine was was printed in november and was started distributing 
so I have a distributor they have three warehouses Berlin for Europe London for the UK and Indianapolis for North America and so they were they were getting shipped out and people were posting on Instagram my latest my blag has arrived blah 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 and then it got to January and I started getting these emails from America people saying oh my magazine hasn't arrived you know do you know, do you know any problems I thought, oh it's probably just Christmas then a couple more the next day and I got in touch with the district I said what's going on you know no, nobody in North America's got their magazines and uh, it turned out they'd had some big systems change and it was affecting all of their publishing clients mm. and so that was you know for me quite devastating because half my subscribers are in the US and yeah I then you know had to get onto the front foot in communicating right you know rather than waiting for the emails to come to me and replying to them it was no I'm going to blanket email everybody explain what's going on uh, in the end people got them but about two months late and for me that's not acceptable mm. you know I, I'm here mm. publishing a, a magazine I want people to get it when they're supposed to get it and so sure. yeah. I ended up sending everybody a small gift as a kind of a, an apology or a, I don't know some people call it an apology some people say you know an appreciation for their patience <laughs> um, but what that did was it led to you know a whole load of people that then emailed me with really you know that was above and beyond what you needed to do um, you know thank you so much it, it led to a really positive reaction so what could have mm. been you know I, w I was feeling really down about the whole thing you know it was it was starting mm. to affect me quite badly and by switching it around and going no this is an opportunity to to do something more for those people affected uh, I think led to an increase in in goodwill towards the project and uh, you know people realize that I'm I'm out for them I'm on their side <laughs> and, um, yeah. and and it was you know communication was important in that you know being open and honest about what had gone wrong why it was wrong and what, what was being done to resolve it uh, were all important and I think it's the same with clients you know if something's if you know you're going to slip on a deadline or something's going to go wrong be, be on the front foot with it uh, in communicating yeah. that don't wait for them to chase you and, and be panicking the whole time um, so that's a, a personal <laughs> anecdote from from this that, year. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think also you can um, you can uh, translate it into translate this also into like for instance uh, th uh, during the project when you get feedback from a client that you're not really happy about. You know, when the client gives you feedback, um, whereas you were thinking that every everything was right and you were going in the right direction, and the client tells you otherwise and you know, it's just, you know, the client is also for having a, a beautiful result, an outstanding result, as much as you are, right? So um, I think staying positive throughout the process is also part of being professional as well, right? Yeah. And not putting your ego yeah. in front of, um, you know, the success of the service that you're providing, yeah. right? Yeah, and I, th I think it's, you know, again, you know, if you receive that email or communication that is perhaps critical or, or you know, in the moment elicits a reactive, you know, a negative reaction, again, it comes back yeah. to that, you know, you don't have to reply right then, you know, take, take some yeah. time, go for Ooh, a walk, good. have a sleep, whatever it might be that you need to do, go for a swim, you know, I swim. And, you know, something that allows you to, to process it at some level and to oh, yeah. and to, to, to actually think it through I think we, it's, it's very easy to reply 
in the heat of the moment and this isn't just to client communications this you know social media is a is a hotbed of this if people just mm. paused before hitting reply on social media we could we could avoid a lot of angst and and uh, an upset and i think that is is worth always sleeping on it is the obvious thing and coming back with a, a considered response as to okay this is not right this is how i'm going to fix it and and that that will that will put you in good stead rather than creating antagonistic uh, relationships i love this and i think these are really actionable things that you can do and you know this this scheduling your emails having this this time buffer to answer to your emails the positivity at the the positive attitude towards uh, projects uh, being at the front you know being front foot you, you mentioned something like being, Be, front being, foot? being is, on, is on the front foot so that's um yeah on the, on you're, you're leading you're um, leading the 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 communication so you're the one taking yes. it to them not waiting for them to, to to harass you and to chase you you know Yes, I remember that this is this is one of the things that I learned um, as I was working. You know, one of my first jobs as I was working for a for an advertising agency, um, the the creative director always told me like like told me once, um, if you're gonna be late with the project, just tell them first. Don't let them send you an email. Uh, don't let your client send me send send you an email telling like, hey, where's the project? You you promised to deliver it yesterday because that's that's a problem. When they have to chase yeah. you is because you're not you're not keeping their project you know top top of mind, right? So you're not you're not, not even caring about what you agree yeah. with them. So if you're late, if something is wrong, you know be be uh, be straightforward. Yeah. Uh, email them. Hey, I'm you know I have a delay or I you know this is taking longer than I thought it would it would take. And normally everybody, unless it's a very you know it's a project with a very tight schedule yeah. or deadline. I mean you always have like a 24 hours buffer yeah. or even more. Sometimes you know you just you just set a schedule with a client just to have a, a certain schedule, but they have more or less flexibility to move things around right yeah. so um, people are always people yeah, are always is... more understanding than you think and you know yeah. often you know you you know when you're late and it will be it will be yeah. uh, it will oh, yeah. be on your mind until you've done something about it it's going to be at the back of your mind and that's going to be reducing Absolutely. your ability to concentrate and focus on anything and so actually you know do, you know, there's this, these things about productivity where it's do the worst first you know like so when you wake up in the day right what's the worst thing on my to-do list today right just do yeah. that because actually what you find is that it it lifts a huge weight off your shoulder often it's not as bad as you thought it was <laughs> and you know and more often than not you will be you know you'll receive a positive uh, reaction because your client or whoever it is appreciates that you've been honest with them and you've taken the time to you know to say this is going to be late i'm definitely going to have it done by whenever that might be and then everybody's at ease and you can get back to the really fun stuff which is doing the work that you enjoy that's golden that's golden um sam i want to shortly talk about uh workshops because i know that many of our listeners you know they have a skill or they have something they they love doing and they want to teach mm -hmm. 
and they're wondering, where do I start? And you have a lot of experience at organizing workshops and you probably know what it takes to organize a workshop. So, and I'm really interested in hearing, what, you know, what are the steps that our listeners can do to just start a workshop series or just organize one workshop? What, what would be like the easiest step that they could give today to do? Well, I, th I think probably it's finding a, a group of people that are going to be kind to you <laughs> on your oh, yeah. on your first <laughs> yes. go. I mean, you know, so, some people I think are, you know, it comes to them very naturally. You know, they 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 are an extrovert type character. Uh, they they like to be on stage in front of people, um, and they have a a sort of a natural way of making things seem simple and easy for for others mm -hmm. to understand uh, so you know you can find out if that's you <laughs> by inviting yeah. some friends and family or some colleagues or yeah. uh, you know a, a, a friendly group and maybe you just charge them for the materials that you're going to use you know yeah. don't, don't you know don't immediately think oh this is going to be my new career direction you just just do one to start with and keep mm. it small have only five or six people um you know if it's something that you're wanting to do you know in a more commercial type capacity i think there you need to think about geography and you know is this mm. something that people are going to travel to you for you know is your studio particularly special that the workshop only really works there um or is it something that's more portable that you would like to use to to visit other parts of your own country or uh, other countries you know travel now i think is you know post covid is is easier again um more expensive now particularly with things like flights uh, so you have to you know you have to look at your costings and your budget and you know don't just think about the days that you're teaching the workshop you need to think about mm. how many days go into preparing for it how many days are you traveling mm. if you're going to to other places how long does it take you to set your studio up take your studio back down after a workshop event um so you know these are all things you know they're all what are your materials cost you know those are all sort of commercial uh, considerations and then obviously what you know what kind of margin and underlying that is there a market for it you know are, are people mm. interested enough in what you've got to pay the amount you need them to pay in order to make it viable yeah. for yourself if that's your motivation if your motivation is just to you know get as many people to try your skill or technique as possible and you're happy to you know run two or three events a year on a not-for-profit basis then then by all means go ahead um i you know i well the pandemic obviously caused our workshops program to to stop uh during the pandemic i kind of i rediscovered my love of of writing and researching science and that's what led to uh to the books that i did over the pandemic and then now the magazine uh but what i am doing and it's coming soon is um is an online events program so uh, mm. i will be uh hosting I mean, kind of a bit like this in a way some presentation slash interview type events with sign painters and That's also amazing. some live demonstrations so people showing particular skills and techniques uh, from around the world you know my mm. the thing I've realized is that because we did workshops where well, we did workshops on four continents um, and 
Is it four? Australasia, Europe, North America, Asia. We never did South America. We were scheduled to do South America in the summer 2020 and the pandemic came. Um, but the audience that I have is very global. And what I'm looking to my events program to do is to bring sign painting expertise from around the world into people's studio living room uh, through through online. And so that's where I'm going with it next. And I think that is something also worth exploring now because hmm. it's it's a lower risk um, thing, you know, especially if you've got travel involved. You know, you, yeah. if, if only 10 people sign up to your online class, well, you know, you've, you've, you've spent some time setting up and a few hours in front of your screen. Uh, you haven't spent yeah. these days traveling, organizing venues and all, all of the rest of it. So, um, you know, that would be another tip for people is, you know, look at, look at doing some stuff online. It's harder, I think, with certain skills to deliver it online. Mm. You know, there are, you know, particularly some of the more um, dexterous manual skills and you, it's harder yeah. to have that direct feedback interaction of somebody you know when we were running the workshops people are at easels Michael whoever would be going around just making small corrections and adjustments to posture and positioning uh, which is is trickier to do online so you know you might people might think yeah my subject matter does lend itself well to online others would say no it's got to be face to face yeah yeah and I think also like online in a way makes it easier you know it's, it's, it's as you said it's, it's it's like the easiest step towards um testing your idea and i love i love this this um this first step that you provided like okay test your idea just keep it small do it with uh, a couple of friends uh or i i you know the first workshop i I did was for free yeah. and then I could test myself as a teacher but also I could see you know which kind of transformation I wanted to create in the students whether they were happy after the workshops and stuff and I think um, you know I think starting small and I also what you mentioned before when you did the screening of the of the sign painters movie that you also study small you you said okay i book a night and then i see how the tickets sell and once they sell then i can book uh two extra nights right so you can you can also start with a with a free workshop or with a low ticket workshop and then go from as you get more um more validation and more results for your students then you can you can up yeah. it right and you can increase the price and make it more complex and maybe explore the possibility of like traveling places yeah. or inviting people to come to you so i think that's 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 a great um kind of kind of great tips to yeah. to get started if any of our listeners want to start their um own workshop series or at least host their first workshop and i want to touch shortly on um on 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 better letters magazine because as you said before um you know throughout the pandemic or because of the pandemic you started ex exploring more <laughs> your writing side yeah. of things right and you you published three books <laughs> In 2021, which I couldn't believe it. Like when you told me before we started with the conversation, like you said, like we we published this, these three books that you have in the background of your uh, of the video. Uh, can you show so that this, for those that are watching on YouTube? So this is this is uh, sign painting. So 
this is actually got Mike. It's Mike by Mike Meyer and friends. Better letters. Uh, so this was, I ghost wrote this book for Mike. So me and Mike had a whole series of um, interviews, yes. and I then wrote the text. And it's a, you know, it's a how-to tools and materials. Wow. Um, how to how to paint signs basically amazing we're uh, gonna so we're was... gonna add the the link to that to that book on oh, our show idea. notes yeah uh, so that was supposed to come out in 2020 yeah. but the publisher decided no 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 no. the pandemic's not the right time to bring this out actually they probably would have done very well to bring it out in the pandemic because yeah. everybody was at home yeah. <laughs> looking to start something new but anyway so that came out uh, in 2020 and then the other two books were basically due to the pandemic because I suddenly had time on my hands mm. and you know I can't sit on my hands I have to be doing something and you know there's I did you probably have one of these like a, a bucket list or a list of things you know one day I'd like to do that yeah and so I went and looked at the list and and there were two books one was this one the show cards book uh, which is um, these are all Mike's promotional pieces wow. for his worldwide workshops program. So, um, so that was self-published. So we, you know, we each one has got a little story of how the site, how the piece was inspired, and memories of b visiting that town. And then the other one was my uh, Ghost Signs: A London Story. And this was I worked with a photographer. Uh, Roy Reed, who's a much better photographer than me, and we, you know, we documented over 250 different signs uh, across across London. You know, this cool one, wow. um, and every sign has its story told, uh, and we give a general account of the history of the of the format and discuss issues about preservation and protection and you know should these be listed in certain ways and so on so those those three books all came out in uh, in 2021 so that was uh, that was quite something for book launching but the thing was was that you know that pandemic forced a pause in in my life and going into doing those books really yeah it reignited my passion for writing and you know you, you asked you said earlier you know normally the people coming on this show are you know lettering artists artists creative and so you know for me writing is my Your creativity art, yeah. I'm not doing creative writing as in non non-fiction or whatever but that is kind of my creative expression I, you know, I, I, I research and I communicate through through my writing and and that was fired up again with the pandemic and then in 2020 there was a, a magazine called Signcraft that it was wasn't just sign painting it has carved signs and uh, vehicle wraps and all sorts but they they stopped doing their print edition hmm. and lots of people had said to me oh you know it's such a shame that there's no print magazine for us anymore and you know kind of listening to that and thinking well you know I like writing and yeah. maybe you know, I could do a magazine and, and that's what led to the idea of, of Blag, which is kind of, well, it's interesting. We you go back right back to what we said at the beginning. So Blag is, is ostensibly better letters mag. Mm. Okay, so it's a little slight cheating. Mm -hmm. But also a Blag in, well, in American English, it's a, it's a sales pitch or, mm. uh, you know, somebody, you know, come and buy this, get this, roll up, roll up. So, you know, it's, it's a sales pitch, a blag, a patter. Uh -huh. And and so that, for me, 
was great because what is a sign? A sign is just a sales pitch. And you know, when we talked at the beginning of this chat about what is the eternal intrigue in this is, is that communication. Mm. And so, so that, um, you know, that, that kind of gave it an extra meaning. So this is an international publication. It's subscriber funded. So I, I didn't want to become an advertising salesperson. <laughs> so I've put the price quite high because it means that subscribers have got to cover uh, the cost of it but it's it's really nicely produced uh, the designers have done a lovely job uh, so it's got a mixture of uh, historical stuff um, there's a whole kind of contemporary work bit uh, everything has got accompanying text so it's not just pretty pictures letter form archive have a column um, there's an alphabet on the center spread of every issue um, and there's kind of you know curiosities and and fun stuff events round roundups of the letterheads meets uh there's gustavo who's doing you'll know this uh filetiado porteño oh yeah in yeah Buenos Aires. i love that uh, so he's doing how to on that book reviews got to review my own book which was fun <laughs> um and so that's uh that was the first issue that came out around uh, May, June last year. And then the second issue is now out. And the third issue is currently with the copy editor who's making making all my mistakes look better. That's amazing. <laughs> and for our listeners, there's good news because we have 25% off their first year subscription That's brought right. to you by Sam for our <laughs> listeners. So I'm going to add the link to... Um, to get that discount on this subscription on our show notes so that if you're interested in getting um, a copy of Better Letters magazine every every semester, right? It's so twice it's, it's per twice year. per year. Amazing. Twice per year. And um, yeah, the subscription, there's also every week, uh, there's an online article published. Mm, um, yes. So there's a whole there's a whole online dimension to it. And I have a, a monthly email newsletter and subscribers soon we'll be getting a discount on the online events so they, some of those will be ticketed and so i'm what i'm trying to do is to go okay i'm not gonna i'm the price is the price but then how can i add more value to subscribers and online events is is one aspect and what i'm currently looking at i'd love to pick your brains outside of this but building a a closed community for, for support and interaction online so yeah, it's it's really exciting, and um, you know I've loved the the response that I've had to it uh, has been really you know really nice to receive, and you know it's not just it's it's, it's kind of all levels. So you know the the older, more experienced sign painters are are really happy to have something in print again, and uh, the younger ones, it's you know it's a great way of of learning about what's going on uh, in the craft. So it's a it's a mixture of practical stuff, how to with contextual stuff you know looking at the culture of sign painting and how it fits into the world and and interesting projects that people have been doing so uh yeah it's quite it's quite broad in terms of its scope it's amazing and also knowing that you know as you get into um the the program or the membership or the subscription uh for the magazine you will get a lot of value down the road i think uh i think a lot of our listeners yeah. will be interested because they already are interested in letter forms and illustration and everything and uh sign painting is such a such an amazing world um i think it's worthwhile just to discover a bit more about it so some as we get um towards the end of the conversation you know, you have worked with many artists throughout the years. You also, you just mentioned that, you know, your art form is, you know, 
writing and words. And based on your experience, I want to, I want you to give some last words to those that are listening, and you know, to to say what are the things that artists should be focusing on to lead a successful career. Um, I th I, luckily, you sent me this uh, sort of in advance, so I had a, I had a bit of time to, to think on it. And um, well, the thing I, I've got it in front of me. The thing I wrote down is is that nothing is ever final. Mm. And and by that, what I mean is that that you and your life is is always an open canvas, and oh. that it's it's you can always change your path. You can always do something new, learn something new. Um, don't feel that you're ever fixed as who you are and what you do and you know that I, I learned that by doing it by accident in many ways um, you know yes there's there has been intention um, along the way but you know if, if you spoke to me 18 years ago mm. I would have said oh yeah I'm gonna go and be whatever in the advertising industry and that's 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 my path and I can't move from it now because I've started yeah. um, but I think that what all of the experiences that I've had have taught me is that you can always start something new learn something new and and become something different that, that you would like to become and uh, so that's 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 my final word nothing is ever final I love that. And I, I don't know if my listener needed to hear that, but I needed to hear that. Definitely. <laughs> I think that many of us, we go into um, into a certain craft or a certain thing thinking like this is what we are going to do for the rest of our lives. And then suddenly when you feel interested in other things, you wonder like, well, is what is going on with me or what is wrong with me? Um, and I think change is just the natural path of humanity and especially for of artists who are naturally curious, right? So I think this is this is really something um, golden that that uh, you have shared with our listeners, and I appreciate it. Um, so Thank to you. wrap up the episodes, I like to play a little game so that we end up always on a high note. Uh, the game okay. is is called finish the sentence. So I basically start the sentence, and you complete it. Okay, Are this you is ready? like um, Freudian Freudian slips. Here we go. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> this is where we get to know you, the, like the real okay. you. Um, okay. So you ready? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Everyone says I'm. Everyone says I'm organized, probably. <laughs> I would die without swimming I'm always chosen first when it comes to always chosen first when it comes to taking responsibility mm. <laughs> I know this is weird but I really like to I know this is weird but I really like to oh god um, I don't I pro probably just walk around looking at old signs <laughs> <laughs> oh yes Bro. Artists are generally um, crazy. Today is a great day to start something new. An ideal world would be fairer. Oh, yeah. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you? 
you and your work and the uh, magazine and everything. Tell us everything. I'm going to add it to the show notes. Okay. Uh, the best place to, to go for the magazine is uh, the website, which is very conveniently mm. bl.ag. Oh, I've yeah. Bought, uh, it's, um, so it spells black with a dot in the middle. Amazing. And uh, it's from... Um, and the so sorry this is i'm going to digress but you know that when you see a website .tv yeah when the big body that gives out domain names was giving them out they gave the island of tuvalu in the pacific ocean uh, tv as their country yeah. end and so they've made loads of money by selling domain names uh, so a.ag is not german businesses it's actually uh, antigua and um, barbuda i think oh, so anyway so I, I pay a bit more than a dot com to have <laughs> that but i like it so bl.ag blag uh, ghost signs .co.uk those are my two main uh, websites and from those uh, you'll find things like Instagram links and uh, and so on but um, yeah bl.ag for the magazine thank you again I'm going to add all of this to the show notes so that listeners can find you Sam it was amazing talking to you oh thank you um, you know discovering all things about letters and sign painting and how you got to I think what is amazing how you got to make a living out of such a such a niche discipline, such a such a niche interest, and and how you also through your work has have enabled other artists to you know to go out there with their work, like Mike Mayers and his workshop series, and how you you also enabled newcomers to learn the craft and um and start their own businesses and you know make a living with their skills so thank you so much for sharing that well it's always fun that's the that's the main thing keep it fun keep and, it fun um, yes thank uh, you too well so thanks for having me and uh, i'm glad we made it in the end oh yes <laughs> yes i have a bit of a parade going on right now i don't know if, if you can hear it but you know it had to happen yeah. <laughs> So thank you so much, Sam, again. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. See you on the next episode of Open Studio. Bye-bye. So this is it. I hope you loved this episode. You can find me, the host of the show, on social networks, at Martina Flor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, go to martinaflor.com slash podcast, where you can see previous episodes find show notes, and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube. Just go to martinaflor.com slash YouTube to find them. You can, of course, listen to all our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you loved this episode, subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave us a review, it will help others find us. Thank you all for listening and see you in the next episode of Martina Flores Open Studio. Bye-bye. Hey, learning and mastering hand lettering can be incredibly overwhelming and frustrating. However, a proven framework can help you see real progress, populate a portfolio with standout work, attract paid assignments, and become your source of income. Sign up for my upcoming free masterclass called A Roadmap to Master the Art of Hand Lettering and Unlock Your Full Potential as an Artist. Hear what previous students have said about it.
Hi, my name is Jürgen and I'm a lettering artist from the Netherlands. I always thought I knew about letter forms and how to create them. But somehow, whenever my lettering was off, I never quite knew what it was or how to correct it. I now feel a lot more confident in my lettering and I know what to look for. I know how to correct my own mistakes and it's amazing. Sign up now through the link in the description of the episode. I'll see you there. Uh, that was amazing. Oh, thank you. Is that, is that... <laughs> those, those, those finished sentences are hard. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, but the, it was so... Um, I love your perspective. First, I love the... As I said, I love this... this um, that you provide this perspective from a, a, an agent and producer point of view, although you have all this other creative side of writing and stuff, which I love that we also ended up with this, you know? Um, and I also really enjoyed the parts where you shared, I, you know, I always try to, what, what is really hard in these conversations is to try to get the tactics and the, the, the actual things that you can implement or our listeners can implement in their lives. And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe it's, uh, it sounds like very superficial, but all the things that you provided about like, okay, when do you respond emails and how do you go about deadlines and having that positive attitude, I think is, is for you is a no brainer, but for many of the people listening yeah. is like, well, oh, this is something I can implement. You know, this is something I can use. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I, I love this, this kind of like takeaways, which are really tangible and really, um, you know, as I said, may sound really superficial, but are the things that really you can use in your daily life. Um, yeah. yeah. And overall, like your, your whole journey on like starting with ghost signs <laughs> and going into like representing all these crazy artists, you know, like, like a very, yeah, such an interesting niche. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, you know, it's, um, what do they say, opposites attract, don't they? And I think, you know, if I, I, because I have a sort of a deep respect for what these people do yeah. and they can see that, they also have a, you know, a respect for what I can do. And, and Absolutely. You know, th th those two things, you know, I mean, you work with, you know, you work with an agent, so you know how that, that relationship functions. Yeah. But, um, you know, it has to be, it has to you 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 have to have complementary skills um but also you have to kind of get on with each other yeah. <laughs> you know you, oh yeah you, it's you know that relationship is very very important